It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 7.07 on a Saturday morning. We're broadcasting live this morning from the 41st. I just got a note here. The 41st annual Atlanta Home Show for the Spring is here at the Cobb Galleria. Details, by the way, if you want some details on tickets and when it's open, hours, things like that, go to atlantahomeshow.com. Get in here before 9 o'clock this morning, and you get into the big home show for free when it opens at 10. Mike is in Taylorsville and joins us with a question about his uh, blackberries. Hey, Mike, good morning. Hey, good morning, Walter. Thank you for taking the call. Sure, My buddy. wife and I stopped by uh, Pike Nursery the other day for the specific purpose of picking up a blackberry bush. Yeah. And while we were there, my wife found a raspberry bush, well, a vine, so to speak. Yeah. Um, I, I was, she thinks that they can co-mingle on a single trellis. Mm. What's your opinion and suggestion on that? I don't have any problem with that. No, I have, I have, in my backyard, I have one end of the trellis has blackberries on it, and the other end of the trellis has a raspberry on it. They don't particularly interfere with each other, and if, I, if they start, you know, the vines start, uh, stems start tangling in with each other, I just prune it to keep it from tangling so much with each other. But no, I don't see any reason not to. Should they, uh, should they produce fruit about the same time? My concern was that one would produce before the other, and you're going to get the, the little thorns and so forth trying to retrieve a particular berry. Good, good point. That's why I don't let mine tangle up with each other because there's <laughs> two or three weeks maybe difference between blackberries. It depends on the variety, of course, but uh, there is a difference in, in uh, harvest time for blackberries and raspberries, so that's one of the reasons, I guess, that I try to keep mine from tangling in with each other because you've have one to harvest and the other one's not ready and thorns all over everywhere. Sure, sure. Well, so I certainly appreciate your input. I, I listen to your show almost weekly, so thank Mike, you for I your gotta, knowledge. And, uh, I will compliment you, Mike, knowing that, you, that the best way to grow a blackberry or a raspberry is on a trellis, on an arbor, on some way to keep it up off the ground. And if you want some details on that, if other listeners out there are sort of intrigued by what you're doing, they're not hard to grow. If you've got full sunshine, raspberries, blackberries are easy to grow in Georgia. And the University of Georgia has a great publication. If you go to my website at walterreeves.com, just type blackberry, it'll take you to the, uh, to the publication. It tells you how to build the arbor, what varieties are best for Georgia, how to fertilize them, all the details you need to know. Well, I certainly appreciate that. Have a blessed day, sir. You too, Mike. We'll see you soon, friend. 404 get you in. This Mike's place is empty right now, but Joel in Milton comes to us with a question about his big lawn he wants to put in. How big is the lawn you have, Joel? It's about an acre and a half. Oh! And, uh, trying to, uh, yeah, I'm trying to not uh, spend a fortune on it. I've talked to some hydro seeders and spriggers yeah. trying to convert it from pasture grass to Bermuda okay. and uh, looking for, for your recommendation. Hydro seeding may be the best way to go. You'll get you know good uh, even distribution of seed that way. Um, it all comes at the same time. Is fescue now, or what? What grass is in there now, Joel? It's just a pasture grass, a fescue of some sort. 
What, did, have the hydrocedars talked to you about preparing the soil or about spraying Roundup to kill everything before they come in, or what are you? What are your plans? Yeah, both both the hydrocedars and and the spriggers they, they expect me to have pretty much clear ground, which I can do. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm just wondering what's going to come up faster and and have a better chance of success. Between what and what? Between hydroseeding and and sprigging. Oh. Um, Hydroseeding is going to be cheaper. Sprigging is going to... You'll have to ask the spriggers how much they're going to charge for that. Or if you want to do it yourself, which on an acre and a half, I would never do myself. But uh, (laughs) ask ask them to see what the comparison of costs are for the two of them. What kind of Bermuda are you going to hydroseed, Joel? Uh, the guy I talked to said he was suggesting Bermuda Triangle because I do have good sun. Do you have another thought? I don't, not offhand. Uh, that sounds good to me. Triangle Bermuda, Sahara, there's two or three more that the hydrocedars use. And I think all of them do about the same. And an acre and a half, whew, that's going to be a big one. Who's going to mow that, Joel? <laughs> oh, that's, that's uh, going to be my job, I think. My friend, <laughs> my friend, you have. <laughs> well, you know, we learn by experience. And if I were, if I were confronted with an acre and a half of a large lawn, I would go lay down. I'm thinking about mowing that much. I'm hopeful, well, last time of course. The pasture grass was as bad as it can be. So yeah. uh, anything, any smooth uh, Bermuda will be better than my experience last summer. And you have a riding mower, I'm sure, right? Uh, yeah, uh, a zero turn. Yeah, ZTR. Okay, great. Well, yeah. you know, I really like the smell of mown grass. And, Joel, if you like that smell, you're going to have a lot of it. <laughs> Mow at least once a week, and God bless you. Have fun with it. Thanks. I appreciate it. <laughs> An acre and a half, my friends. Whew. Mm. Well, I'm not going to talk much more about that. David in Conyers joins us with a question about his daffodils. Hey, David, good morning. David, where are you? Come back to the phone here. I'm, I'm right here. I'm right here. Hey, Dave, what's going on? Hey, uh, quick question for you. I guess it was a good thing as it started out, but uh, I've got some irises and some daffodils came up next to it, and mm. now the daffodils are trying to take over the irises. All right. So I was wondering what would be a good time to uh, transplant. The daffodils of the iris, which one? The, no, the irises have been there for years. The daffodils are the ones that's come up and trying to take over. Yeah. In the so best of all possible, back. in the best world of all, you would wait until the daffodil foliage has turned yellow. Okay. In my world, if, it was, if I just wanted to get it done today, I would have no problem in the least of digging the daffodils up, not doing much damage if I could avoid it, not doing damage to the roots, just move the whole clump of daffodils to somewhere else where they're welcome to be. But again, okay. the, the best world, the best advice in the world would be to wait until the daffodil turns yellow. But if you just don't want to yeah. do it, go ahead and do it today. Yeah, I think the uh, the irises will come up and it'll take over the color for that area of the yard. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll probably just wait till they die back. And one more quick question: What's a good fertilizer for blueberries? Any of the azalea camellia fertilizers do fine. Oh, okay, okay. I didn't you think about those that easily. And you know, uh, another question, David. That you didn't ask, but I'll answer it for you. <laughs> I went down to Callaway Gardens yesterday and had it, saw a great presentation. It was the Callaway Gardens Garden School, and I was speaking during part of it, and the speaker after me is a guy named Ernest Kuhn, and he has a 
Native Azalea Nursery down in Pine Mountain, and Ernest uh-huh. was talking about how to fertilize his native azalea. Someone asked, and he said, well, the very best fertilizer is called Nursery Special 1266. And someone else raised their hand and said, where the devil do you get 1266? <laughs> I've never seen it at Home Depot, Pike, Lowe's, anywhere around. Where do you get that stuff? And I went last night just out of curiosity and found that you can order it online. And I would agree with him. 1266 Nursery Special Fertilizer is awesome for woody plants, including blueberries, azaleas, camellias, native azaleas, all of those. And so if you want to go to spend the money, 50 bucks or 50-pound bags or 20-pound bags of the uh, Nursery Special Fertilizer is really good stuff and is used all the time by professionals because they buy from some of the wholesalers that maybe a homeowner like you and me would not be able to get. But 1266 Nursery Special is really good for woody plants. Well, yeah, I've got some azaleas in the back too, so I guess that would help them also. Yeah, and if you get if you want to just go to the store and get some azalea camellia food, that'll work fine. Okay, well, thank you for taking my call. Well, thanks, David. Thanks for calling. Good to see you. Good to talk to you. It's 7.15 on a Saturday morning. We've got time for Eric to get in here. Eric has a question about his uh, Caroline Jessamine is not doing so well. Eric, good morning. Yeah, hey, hey, Walter. Um, I have a Carolina Jasmine. It's doing really good, but as, over the years, there's been more and more dead stuff coming up from the bottom, mm-hmm. and I'm wondering how can I, how can I prune it, um, or do I just cut it back and let it grow back from? I would do a third, a quarter to a third of the time, Eric. Soon, let's see, in about two weeks from now, the yellow flowers will be all gone, and you won't have them to enjoy anymore. And so in about a couple of weeks, Eric, go in and just cut away at least a fourth, maybe up to a third of the bottom of the vine, down to six or eight inches, I'm guessing. And they will resprout. All those vines where you cut will resprout. They'll make new green growth right down at the bottom of the plant. Next year, if you keep in mind where you made your cut this year, cut another third to a quarter out next year, year after that, renew it again. And you got a good looking vine. You have flowers every year and everybody's happy. So I, cu- I cut it all the way back down to six, to six or eight inches tall. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, that's really whacking it then. That's okay. It's a whack, but you know, sometimes you got to be stern. <laughs> and you know, Carolina Jessamine grows like crazy, Eric, and cutting it back this severely is not really going to hurt it much at all. Okay. All right. That'll give me a chance to, to fix the, to fix the uh, trellis that it's on. Yeah. Too, so. it, yeah. It gives you a good chance to repair things, make it strong so it can hold it up when it makes a new growth during the summer this year. Yeah, sure. Okay. I sure do appreciate it. It's great talking to you, Eric. Thanks so much for calling. 404-872-0750 gets you in to take Eric's place. We're broadcasting live from the 41st annual Spring Atlanta Home Show, the Cobb Galleria. Details at atlantahomeshow.com. It's 717. We'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade from Atlanta's Morning News on WSB. Our 24-hour news center delivers updates all weekend. Depend on it. We'll be here Monday morning, 4.30 till 9, for breaking news and traffic and weather every six minutes. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves. He came from somewhere back in how long ago. The sound of- 
723. A quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. High of 69 today, low of 46. A nice day today, but Sunday even better. 72 tomorrow, 54 is the low, 20% chance of a rain shower Sunday afternoon, but not a real great chance of that. It's going to be a great weekend to garden. If you have a question about gardening and how to do stuff to be more successful, nobody wants you to waste your money gardening. And if you want to know how to do it, how to have fun doing it, 404 872 0750. Nancy is over in Athens in the classic city and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Nancy, good morning. Nancy? Nancy, Nancy, Nancy. Let's put Nancy on hold there and go to, instead of Ollie in Temple, Georgia. Hey, Ollie, good morning. How you doing, sir? We're doing fine, Ollie. What can we do for you? Well, I got uh, some property out here in west georgia just in southeastern harrelson county and it's right. full of clay and rocks right trying to grow um grass is is not easy can you help me out figure out what i need to do what time of year um yeah. what lime what fertilizer what kind of grass yeah. would grow in this stuff and this is for your house not for a pasture or something ollie yes sir it's for it's for uh, uh yard grass okay and how much sunshine does it get um, the area where I'm trying to get it to grow, it probably gets 70% of the sun that comes out throughout the day in the summer, maybe hmm. 75, because when the sun first comes up, the yeah. grass is real close to a, a shop and also an eastern boundary of, of woods, a big tall hmm. pine tree. So I'd say 70, 75%. I was making fun of a guy earlier because he had an acre and a half he wanted to, to have a lawn for and take care of it. And I, I should ask you, Ollie, how big is the area you want this lawn? How big is the area you want it to grow in? Well, the area where I'm trying to get it to grow in is only, it's on a, like a slope that slopes from the east to the west. It's probably 15 foot wide and 100, 110 foot long. Okay, great. Because that means, Ollie, that you could actually, if one doesn't work, then you could try something else and see if that works. I'll give you two choices, Ollie. One is zoysia, Z-O-Y-S-I-A, zoysia grass. You can get seed zoysia. Zenith is the seed you most commonly find at garden centers. So zenith zoysia seed, you plant it in mid-May usually. Fescue okay. is a possibility, but fescue is March now. You're getting a little late to be planting fescue. You can do it if you want to try it, but fescue would be cheaper than zoysia. But it is, like I say, it's late. It's going to get hot in summertime, and fescue is not going to be happy in hot sunshine um, if you didn't get a long growing season to get established. And it should be planted usually. Fescue should be planted back in September, not in March. Either way, whatever you can do, Ollie, to soften the soil. I know you say you got a lot of clay. So anything you can do, if you have access to a tractor to, to harrow it or some and loosen it up, you had a tiller to till it up, you had an aerator to aerate it somehow. Yeah. Anything you can do is better than nothing. So do what you can, rake it smooth, spread the seed, like I said, for zoysia anyway in mid-May, and uh, we'll see what happens. Okay. Is it? Would I be better off to buy sod to do that? If you can afford the sod, you don't have a big area. And if you can find the sod, that'd be fine. Again, Zenith, there's several other kinds of, of sod. Zenith is Zeon, uh, I mean. Uh, Jammer, how many others? There's two or three more. And most of them do very nicely. If you can afford the sod, Ollie, try that and see if that works for you, too. 
404-872-0750 is the number on Lawn and Garden, broadcasting live from the 41st annual Spring Atlanta Home Show at the Cobb Galleria. We'll be back after news. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 7.37 on a Saturday morning. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves with Georgia Gardener, here to help you be more successful doing whatever you want to do, not only with your lawn or your garden, but any houseplant, any bug, critter, anything that bothers you in the natural world, or if something you want to do and just wonder if it's the right way to do it. If you need an organic gardening recommendation, if you need some ideas on how to control pests naturally, I can do all that information and all you have to do is call 404-872-0750. The same numbers that Joyce and Ackworth dialed just a minute ago. And here she is on the air. Joyce, good morning. Good morning, Walter. Uh, we have Bermuda that's been out in our yard about 15 years, and the trees have grown. And so now we're getting shade, and the Bermuda is thinning out. And then with all the mm. water, a lot of it has died. And previously, we had put some zoysia out in the yard, and it looks pretty good, but I'm not sure what variety it was. So uh, do you think we should try, uh, is there a shade-resistant Bermuda, or do you think we should go with zoysia? And we're going to do sod. Hmm. We're getting, we're getting more and more into the shade-tolerant Bermudas now, Tiff Grand and... Uh, what is that real new one? I've forgotten the name of the real, real new, new Bermuda grass. It just slips out of my mind. Tiff Grand is one of them, though. And so, zoysia traditionally has been more shade tolerant than Bermuda grass. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, the breeders in Tifton have, do, have done some great work in the last couple of years, last five years, I guess, and introduced more Bermuda grasses that are shade tolerant. What I would do, Joyce, is call the sod suppliers. If you're going to put down sod, call mm -hmm. sod suppliers and say, what is your most, most shade-tolerant Bermuda grass? Can I go visit a site and see how comparable it is to my yard and see how well that Bermuda has performed in a couple of years? If you think it looks about like your shade situation in your yard, that's what you'd go for. If it's looking real thin, you think, well, maybe I should go with zoysia, ask the side people again, can I see some of the zoysia places you've installed, and get an idea how the zoysia perform. Do a little investigation before you make oh, a hard okay. and fast so, decision. So actually visit the places then. I think you need to go see what has, what has happened, yeah, what has happened in these newer uh, Bermudas and the newer zoysias and see how shade tolerant, how comparable they are to your landscape. Okay, well, I had talked with some people. One side place said, well, we don't even have a, a shade-resistant Bermuda that they only wanted to do a, a what they called a GEO zoysia. Might be Z-E-O-N. There's GEO. Yeah, okay. All right, go ahead. That was what they said. And then, well, how do we prepare the soil once we decide on a sod? The softer you can get the soil, the better the soil, the sod will root down. Whatever you can do, tractor, aerator, anything you do is going to be better than leaving it like it is. I've got a whole bunch of things. Joyce, if you want to go look, I've got a whole series of steps on how to prepare the soil for sod uh, on my website. If you just want to type the word zoysia or Bermuda, either one, that and you'll get wonderful. that whole just 
directions of what to do and when to do it kind of stuff. Okay. Well, thank you so very much. Have a wonderful day. I appreciate oh, your Oh, Joyce, thanks so much. Thanks so much for calling. You know, callers or listeners, if you want something else that might help you with your lawn care, type the word calendars. Go to WalterReeves.com and type the word, one word, calendars, and that'll take you to a page that has calendars of maintenance suggestions for each month of the year. When is a good time to put seed down for fescue? When is a good time to put lime down for Bermuda grass? What is the right time of year to uh, mow and how high should it be mowed? All those at WalterReeves.com. Type the word calendars in the search line to get the right, to the right place there. Suzu's indicator enjoys us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Suzu, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Uh, How can I help? I'm wondering. Well, well, um, you know, weed and feed that you know you put on with the drop spur be more effective on a freshly mown lawn, or should the lawn be, you know, a little long so the granules will stick to the weed leaves better? The second, the second situation is better if you leave it unmowed. For at least a couple of three days, it's the last time you mowed. So the grass or the weeds in this case are a little bit longer, bigger foliage area than the powder, the stuff that has the weed killer chemical on it, sticks to it better. So yeah, wait until at least a couple of days after you've mowed, maybe a week would be fine. And uh, have it moist if you can water it or do it early in the morning so the foliage is sort of moist, the chemicals stick to it better then too. Those are great, great suggestions. Then I'll put it on this morning or tomorrow morning because so, we're going to get rain on Monday. Yeah, early and let yeah. it be on the yard at least uh, 12 to 24 hours if you can before the rain comes. Okay, great. All right, well, thank you very much. You bet, Sue. Thanks for calling. Bye-bye. We've got who next? Julie is in Houston, Georgia, and joins us. Hey, Julie, good morning. Good morning, Walter. I have a question about my hydrangeas. I, I've never trimmed them. They've only, I've only had them for three years, but the tips got that um, the tips got frozen off. Should I go ahead and prune those back? My inclination, Julie, is to wait and see exactly how much got frozen off before you did much more pruning. I, yeah, I know I have some of my hydrangeas in the backyard and got a little bit of tip burn on them, and I'm wondering if it was deeply frozen enough to affect the bloom tissue underneath. So I think you should give them at least a week before you make a final decision of who's going to get cut and who's not going to get cut. So wait a little bit, I think. And so then then, then prune them after they bloom? Well, then wait and see if they have new growth. If the frozen parts have new growth on them, leave that alone. That may be the bloom tissue and that may put a flower on. On the other hand, if the part that got frozen just turns black and the end of the whole stem is blackened, then prune down to the next bud and let that grow out. It's probably a foliage point rather than a bloom point, but it'll still be nice to have the leaves to look at. Okay, well that's great. I, I, enjoy, the, I enjoy the foliage too. Oh yeah, sure. So, and I also have a question. Last year uh, I had a patio picker that had a couple of tomato plants in it. Uh -huh. And the beginning of the summer, it did awesome. I had so many tomatoes, and then I got a fungus. So do I need to totally replace the dirt in the patio picker for this year? To be safe, yes. Do I do it? No. <laughs> so okay. do as I say and not as I do. 
I have a great big planter in my, on my patio in the backyard, and I just don't have the money to replace the soil in it every year. I try my best to plant the tomatoes and then mulch underneath them. If I have a little bit of leaf spot disease, early blight usually in, uh, in June, then I'll pick the early leaves off, try to get the diseased leaves away as soon as I can. And if pressed a little bit, if I go on vacation and come back to a lot of the leaves with disease on them, I will spray with a fungicide, but I don't replace the soil. I'm not convinced that that would solve all my problems. I just try to do other things rather than replacing soil. Okay. That sounds good. I, I, it's just a small one, but the, it really, the plant was really nasty by August. Oh, yeah. So. Nice. Well, okay. you know, you pays your money, you takes your choice. That's what we say, Julie. All right. All right. Thank you. Sure. Drive safely. We'll see you soon. 404. Well, you know the number. I'm not going to repeat it again. I'm tired of repeating it. I'm going to go to Pam in Lula, Georgia, because I want to talk to Pam. Hey, Pam, good morning. Good morning. Hey, um, I really enjoy your program. Um, I have been listening. Um, my major question actually today was all about the graph. Um, and I've heard several of your speakers and your information that you share. And it's all stuff I need. Um, but there's two more things that I need. Um, was uh, I have 3,200 square feet of grass that's like dying off um, the house and the acreage is in the subdivision. I didn't know that you're supposed to overseed every few years to keep the grass growing. Uh -huh. And so we've only lived here uh, three years, and all of a sudden I'm getting these huge erosion spots, of course, where the clay and the hill, kind of, you know, subtle hills and stuff. Sure. And so now I've got like six feet diameter type spots that are showing up, and... Um, and some have bare roots, you know, are starting to show the roots of the trees in these areas. Do I, I hear that you're supposed to loosen it up and aerate, and that's yeah. what I've been, like, looking into getting someone out to do that because we don't have an aerator. Okay. And then my other question is, if, if in these areas that are smaller, like six feet around, should I kind of just try to loosen it up with a shovel and then put dirt on top of it? and then seed it, and then how do I keep it from running down the hill? Like, mm, mm. Yeah, I, <laughs> I understand the question. How do you plant and not have the seed wash out in the, in the eroded areas uh, like it has already? Correct. Some of it, Pam, is just your common sense is seeing how you can control the water coming out of the downspouts that comes down the hill that causes the erosion. And is there a way to temporarily control it by putting a, some bricks or some landscape timbers maybe on the hillside above so the water is temporarily diverted away from the eroded area so the grass oh. gets a chance to establish itself? Um, well, what about, I mean, I see, like when I go by these new uh, Kroger areas and stuff, like Chick-fil-A, and they have the hills there, and they have all landscapes so beautiful. I'm looking at these hills you know, that they've done, and they lay, it's like almost like a, a mesh uh, with straw mm -hmm. over it, but that, you have to pay for that, and like, Sometimes. you know, I mean, it looks like it's trying to hold the seat on. Or maybe is that with a, just the sod that they're doing that? The, the, sometimes the mesh there is left after the sod has sort of decomposed and gone away when the grass has died. The mesh is what the sod was grown on, on fescue in particular. Oh. Uh, they grow 
SUCs on a mesh base to make it easier to harvest and to uh, install. So it's possible the mesh was there for that reason. I've also seen um, bur burlap uh, used on a hillside, a real steep hillside, and the burlap pores, the spaces in the burlap were real wide, and so they spread the seed first and put the burlap on top, watered it down real good, and mm -hmm. then the grass grew through the burlap, which eventually decomposed. So, you know, bottom line, Pam, you got to figure some way to make the water not do the damage before the grass gets, uh, gets established. I don't have a great picture in my head of what you're seeing there, but that's what you have to accomplish somehow. And I'm going to leave it up to you to figure that out because I just don't have enough time to go into the rest of it. I don't have a picture to, to make the good recommendation for you. But that's what you need to do is figure out how to divert the water so it doesn't do the damage to the areas that are eroded. It's 749 at News Talk WSB, and we'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. With a quick weather update right now at 7.55 from Ackerman Security. High today of 69 degrees, low of 46 tonight. Sunday's going to be a great day. 72 degrees tomorrow afternoon, 54 degrees tomorrow night. 20% chance of shower Sunday night, but all in all, a great gardening weekend. If you have a gardening question, the number is 404-872-0750. We're broadcasting for the Cobb Galleria for the 41st annual spring garden show. We're visited this morning by Norm Midlider, who is the Japanese maple expert in Atlanta. And if you get here before 9 o'clock, you have a little one-on-one -on -one consultation with Norm. He's teaching a class on Japanese maple care and pruning this month, next month, I should say, at the Atlanta Botanical Garden. It is almost full. But you get a one-on-one -on -one for free this morning if you get to the Cobb Galleria before 9 o'clock. We've got time real quick in here to get into, let's see, Jim in Ballground, Georgia, been waiting so long. Hey, Jim, good morning. Welcome to the Lawn and Garden. Good morning, Walter. Uh, hey, quick question. I um, did a little bit of a backyard makeover last year, and I dug up all the pasture grass and sodded it with uh, Bermuda. And I did all the pre-emergence and everything this year, but the pasture grass is coming back up through the dormant Bermuda. Yeah. Uh, suggestions on how to deal with that. You're going to have to do one thing and be really good at it, Jim, and that is identifying which grasses are coming up. Because when I think pasture grass, I'm thinking of a mixture of Dallas grass, goose grass, fescue, five or six maybe other things, maybe some nut grass in there, maybe some common Bermuda grass as well. And so your job is to figure out which grasses you have, and each one is going to have slightly different ways of controlling it. If it's an annual grass, pre-emergent takes care of it, no problem. If it's a perennial grass like Dallas grass, man, oh man, you'll have a hard time doing that with any kind of spray. You'll just about have to go and just spray it with Roundup and kill the clumps as best you can or dig the clumps of Dallas grass up. So knowing what you have is really the first thing you have to figure out. And then once you figure out what it is, on my website, frankly, if you go to WalterReeves.com, just type in the word Dallas grass, and I got a page on how to control Dallas grass or other, you know, grasses and weeds that could be controlled that way. So that's what I would do: learn how to control. And Jim, I'll tell you how to see some pictures of weeds in their flowering in the seed head stage. 
if you have a Pinterest account, Pinterest is a common you know, web page that you can get to very easily and set up an account there. On Pinterest, look for my page on Pinterest. It's nothing but weeds, nothing but pictures of weeds to help you identify the weeds you have in your lawn or in this case, in what used to be your pasture. Thanks for calling, Jim. we got to go. It's 7.57. We'll be back to more Lawn and Garden after news.